0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the timingresearch.com crowd forecast news for January 22nd, 2024. We are recording this at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and this is episode number 414 of Crowd Forecast News and uh, the first uh, live episode of the year. So, my name is David Cosmeter. I'm the creator of timingresearch.com, and the option professor is back for his to give his current market outlook. So you should be seeing his screen right now and I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to him. Okay. All right, thanks everybody. And again, a uh, quick background on myself. Uh, I'm Jim, the option professor. I've been doing uh, in, in the business here for decades. I've educated thousands upon thousands of people at my seminars throughout the country. And uh, I've also traded uh, thousands of options contracts and millions of dollars in stock. So I'm quite knowledgeable and experienced. I'm gonna share that with you today. As I always say, to start out, everything is, is uh, obviously trading involves a uh, risk of loss, and it's not right for everybody. You should be consulting your brokerage firm uh, that will determine your suitability and your risk tolerance. And of course, past performance, not indicative of future results. And uh, I'm gonna be providing information and opinions here today, uh, and therefore informational purposes only. Uh, this is not advice. Okay, so there we got that out. And so now we can proceed. Um, I'm going to go over quite a bit of information here because uh, obviously I've got a lot of things that I follow and I'm not exactly sure what you guys are following. If you have any questions on uh, a stock you own or whatever, uh, strategy on options or whatever, uh, you put it in the chat box. I'll give you a hand with that. Okay. All right. I'll give you a basic background here. You know, lately, if you've been reading my stuff, I told you last week that uh, the VIX had gone up towards 15 and there was a big gap uh somewhere between uh 14 area and somewhere around 1250, 13 area and so there was a uh, probability in my view that we were going to go fill those gaps and in order to fill those gaps the stock market rises so that was very good input because uh, uh that happened last wednesday and uh, I'll just give you what happened since last Wednesday on the five-day graph here on the S&P. You see, this happened last Wednesday when we were down here, and so we've gone on almost a 150-point run uh, filling that gap that I talked about. So that was very good insight on my part that I had shared with you as well. Now, that gap um, is not 100% filled, and that's why we still have some legs to this thing, but it it, it did go into the gap uh when it went down to 13 and change um, on friday uh so again uh there could be a little bit more to it but uh you know uh, the uh we'll have to see obviously the lion's share of the big run-up to fill the gap seems to have been done so you know what i mean uh to start buying now obviously in, in my view would not be what they call optimum uh you got to do things and you want to do things at the right time if you don't do them at the right time obviously you're gonna be at a pickle So I'll explain a little bit on what I'm seeing here. Uh, We've got the the S and P right now, and I'm looking at a five-year graph. You see the RSI here was at 70 last time it ran up, and right now it's at 66. So you know that's not exactly confirming that this is the strongest market move of all time. Again, uh, somebody told me that an evenly weighted S&P is actually down on the year. So we'll have to see exactly if this magnificent uh, AI is gonna take over the world thing is going to last, uh, uh, you know, without any interruptions. And in my ex- experience, uh, everything has an interruption at some point. Uh, with regards to um, the um, the market here, uh, where's our moving averages uh, on pullbacks? Uh, 46.60, 45.35 and uh and then 40 um, uh, 45, uh 03 and then if you've got a big drop it'd be back to 4200 this long-term graph here that i use is moving these are all moving averages i use so i consider them a little proprietary because not everybody uses the same ones right so uh these are the ones that i use uh, i think they're quite good um so anyway uh obviously very strong market but uh it's not really being confirmed by the rsi if you go to the one-year graph what do you got Uh, You got a high points here at 72 on the RSI, and now we're up here at 67. Again, that's a divergence. So, you know, I'd be looking closer now to see if there's going to be a place to sell it. Like I say, I think at some point, uh, if they obviously have a disappointment on earnings or if, uh, you know, the uh, rates clearly are not coming down or there's some kind of uh, interruption with oil, oil starting to take off, I'll show you that in a minute uh then the you know the mood could change and if the mood really changed and take out 4750 and 4700 i would think by the end of march you could see something down in this neighborhood lot not a lot of people are talking like that and that might make it even a more probable thing all right let's talk about the one month graph and that'll be the first signal here and again the red line comes in here at around 48 80 and we're a little bit above that now now again you'd like to see the red line pointing down before you actually get too excited because again if it's not pointing down the likelihood you're going to make any big money is pretty low so i am patient right patient and uh, as you can see patience paid off last week when we got the uh one month to turn up and it came with that uh, recognition of the VIX needing to fill the gap. So you had the VIX thing going, and you had the red line turning up, and that's when you make money. And then you get above what? The uh, the purple, that looks great. And then above gold. So this was all systems go. And that's why it's been a great trade from last week to this week. Okay. Now, um, so uh, yeah. Well, what about the RSI here? 82. And where are you now? 75, you know, it looks to me like it's going to make a turn up here, but it hasn't shown any evidence. How about on the five year, a five day graph? You you see, then if you're real short term trading, you know, and it starts breaking under 48.80, you know, you could maybe give a shot at it. Uh, You'd have the red line at 48.87 working your way, 48.84, 48.83. So, you know, you'd have a lot of things working for you if it starts breaking underneath 48.80. So uh, I I don't know exactly uh, if that's happening right now, but that would be your first indication that maybe this thing could crack. So, you know, underneath this stuff here, you might get these lines pointing down. If you get the lines pointing down, you got a good shot of making a drop. Again, you know, be patient, you know, be patient. Uh, The one day uh, up here, you see RSI's here kind of peaked out. And then that fifth, look at this. You got RSI 65, and you got it at 51, and then bam, right to the downside, right to the gold line. So it's holding the gold line right now a little bit, and uh, we'll have to see if it's going to keep going. The red's kind of turning down a little bit. It's inverted, right? What does that mean? Red's under green, which is under blue. Now you got green under blue, and you got them all underneath uh, the purple now. So again, if we can, you know, get this thing weakening, you wouldn't want it to be back above forty-eight eighty-eight. So, if you're a short-term trader, you know it would be what possible sales and stop above the forty-eight eighty-eight number if you want to give it a little room, uh, or you know even tighter than that. So, we'll have to see. But uh, that's basically what I'm uh, I'm seeing right now as far as uh, the short term on the uh, S and P. My view is is that the uh, Nasdaq and the uh, and the um, and the Russell, you know, just follow along as well. Only at different speeds, you know, different speeds. So let's take a look at QQQ. And again, heavily weighted to the semis and all that kind of stuff. So um, on a uh, five-year basis, again, uh, you know, had a high point here with RSI at 74. Now we're way up here at 70. So, you know, that's not a great RSI as a comparison. Uh, got the red line coming in at four uh, 400. So that's 22 points lower. And um, let's take a look here on uh, one year. One year we had the RSI up here at 72 ish, and now we're up here at 72 ish. So, no big divergence. You got a gap there. So, that could be a problem. Another gap there. And uh, here you got the uh, red and green meeting up at 406, 407. So, if we do pull back, 406, 407 would be a logical neighborhood to maybe go back to. 410, this double high point, you know, could be pulling back there. And um, let's take a look at the one month. And on the one month here, you know, it's filled that gap already. RSI way up there at uh, 74. So again, you know, nothing's pointing down. So all you're doing is thinking that it might fill some gaps. Gap there, gap there. But again, this is not the great uh, setup. You know, when the red line's pointing down, that's when you you know you'll get a bigger run. And also, uh, when the RSI can break under 40, you'll get a bigger run. Just like when it breaks above 60, as you can see, I'll show you here you're at 60 and then we break above 60 and we go from 412 up to 424 in a matter of a very short time. So, you know, I watch RSI as well. And I kinda like, uh, like to be in there during the acceleration phases cause that's where the larger profits are potentially gonna happen. Um, okay, so that's the story even on a five day basis, you know, again, uh, if it could get underneath the 421 area uh, and get that red line pointing down, you know, then it's a possibility you could come down and meet some of these other levels down here. Um, if you're a day trader, anything going on, you know, had a little bit of a, a short-term uh, deal from uh, 4.23 down here, but nothing really, just uh, meandering back and forth. And again, now, uh, if it can stay underneath uh, 4.22, uh, maybe you could see some kind of activity, but that doesn't look that great right now. Yeah. Um, the uh, small caps are, are all the rage as far as this year is gonna be the year of the small cap. That's what they're all saying, right? Let's see what it looks like. Okay, uh, it's uh, above the purple and is here. So right now you really want this baby to stay above 190 on the IWM, okay? And if it can stay above 190, that'd be very constructive. It also would be constructed if you can get these lines, the red, the green, and the blue to get above purple. you notice that's where the bigger money's made when they're all above purple and that's just not there yet but it's trying is trying. And at least the first step is to get the whole market above purple, which is done. And you notice on the pullback, it held the purple line pretty much. Uh, purple was at 189. The low was 187 and a half. So that held pretty good. And now it's back up at 195. This thing starts getting back underneath 190, gets back underneath 185 and things like that. Then that's going to be going back into the soup. And that would at least delay this thing. But it is trying to go right now there's no doubt about that so you have to keep an eye on it uh, on the upside uh, anything else telling us here well you, there's a reason why it might be stopping here green is at what 196.63 and look where the high was 196.82 so it banging up there and it's kind of coming back down here you got them both joined in at a very important level 193 ballpark right 193. so If you want to be bullish you certainly wouldn't want it underneath 193 and if you want to be bearish you wouldn't want it above the highs of today so those are two parameters that you could work with if you're a short-term trader right now let's go over to the monthly and I am going to say on the monthly here, there's a nice gap there. And again, if it filled the gap in 193 area, that also is where we saw the support on the other charts. So that why 193 is an important number. Uh, it's above purple, so it's got to stay above what number? About 192. Oh, oh yeah. 192. Uh, excuse me, 195. So you want to stay above 195. You start getting under 195, it'll open the door to closing the gap down to 193. Get underneath 193, 191, and it'll start turning stuff down again. So if you're bullish, those are some of your key numbers. Uh, 195 to start out with, 193, and then, of course, the 191 and a half, that kind of stuff. Okay? So that's the story on the uh, on the Russell. Again, a lot of people are very bullish on the Russell because all these cuts t- uh, are going to be coming, and uh, and that's going to be bullish. That's what the story is. Uh, again, uh, the story might not always be uh, right there. Um, well, let's look at the chat. Dennis, not sure I've seen references to it too, but there are different. That's a different company event. Uh, what that means? What is this platform X? Uh, this is a, a bar chart, but, you know, if you have my, um, if you have my uh, indicators, you know, you can put it on any chart you want. So that's not an issue at all. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, if you have any other questions on anything else, you know, just please uh, put them up uh, at top and I'll be more than happy to check them out. Okay. So I'm giving a little update on the, um, on the stock market. All right. And like I say, it's not an optimum time up here as far as I can see, it could have a little bit more legs to fill in the gap on that VIX. I'm not denying that. But as far as, you know, initially just coming in now, you know, um, good luck to you on that one, you know, because I was bullish when the VIX was at 1550 looking to get filled down at 12 and 13. bullish you know 150 points ago so it's kind of rough to uh, dust off the checkbook and start getting in now okay so what does look like it might be interesting here let's start talking about that okay and um uh the energy market let's take a look at what energy is doing because uh seems like the stuff's getting pretty hairy in the middle uh Middle East and uh you know that can uh, be a problem so yeah I've turned uh last week I started uh, uh last Friday For this week's options, I was very bullish and I I, uh, uh, have involvement in some uh, energy shares, okay? And so, uh, you know, uh, let me just show you here uh, on crude. Um, You see, it came down and tested these areas here, you know, last week on the purple line and it held and you can see it popped up here. This is where you got the real buy signal uh, earlier in the week, last week, right? and then you got above the gold which is important and then it came down tried to break didn't do it came down again tried to break didn't do it and now we're trading at 75. so you know down here is where I'm trying to make my hits you understand I don't want to go I don't want to buy uh, way up here you know I'd like to buy when it's cheap you know buy low sell high kind of idea all right so that's uh, what I thought that's what I see that's my point okay so uh, where did we throw um, – well, actually, you know, if the energy shares go, there's so many of them that will go, it won't be funny. So let's talk about a few of them. Uh, this is called uh, Marathon Petroleum. As you can see, uh, since last week, we've gone from 21 and up to 22. Uh, another one uh, was um, the uh, Halliburton. The, the energy servicers seem to be going pretty good. So Halliburton was way down here at 33, and now we're pushing 34 and a half. So that's not looking pretty good. Slumberj uh, and uh, they were down in the 47s, and they're 51s. That's the strongest of all of them. And again, you know, last week you look to this Friday's options if you want to play weeklies. Obviously, weekly options are very risky. Obviously, they can and do go to zero. Obviously, you must only use risk capital when you do it but that doesn't mean they can't be good because when you buy calls on uh, on like Schlumberger, when it's down at 47 and it starts turning up and you uh, start looking at the calls at the 48 and 49 mark uh, with only a week to go, you know, the premiums are pretty darn cheap. And then basically, if you get a pop to 51, you know, you're know you going to get a bang on those options. And that's why people gamble, speculate, whatever you want to call on short-term options. That's why the volume's so big. Why? Because the premiums are pretty small, which means the cash you're going to have to put up is pretty small. Because the leverage is there. Every time you buy one of these options you know uh, at 49, you're getting $4,900 worth of stock. You know, if they're only going to charge you less than a hundred dollars to have that. That means you're going to have leverage of, uh, you know, forty nine hundred and you're going to have a limited risk of, say, a hundred bucks if you pay a buck or less. And so, you know, that's not a bad, uh, you know, that's not a terrible uh, capital out of pocket. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, sometimes looking at the other side of the coin on things is where you can, um, you know, get a little bit of a. a a pop, so um that's why i like the short-term options because why because they have very low premiums and that means my cash out of pocket is pretty reasonably low it has leverage meaning it's 100 shares on every one you get and some of them are so cheap you can do two-sided trades which is uh, one that i looked at here today which i'll get to in a minute uh but you could do two-sided trades on this stuff down here in other words, you know, when we're down here at 47 and 48, you know, the 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 49 or uh, 49.50 calls or the 47 and a half puts, you know, they're both going to be pretty darn cheap uh, going out a week. And then basically, you know, you know, lose on one. But if the other one really bangs for you, you know, you can be net ahead. So, you know, if you don't understand how strangles work, um, you know, you should uh, go to uh, get a. Uh, a education class from me that I'll talk about at the end of uh, the broadcast where I explain the uses and risks of options, which I've been doing for decades. So I'm pretty familiar on how to explain it to you. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, what do you do after you're in it? You, you know, you might roll the position or you might uh, stage out of the position. Um, and if you don't know what that means, that's another thing to learn uh, when I discuss options with people. Uh, and uh, so, you know, basically there's another one there uh ExxonMobil is trying to make a little bit of a turn here, um, and um, let me show you why I think that's a kind of an important level on ExxonMobil um, on the five-year graph. Yeah, you see that five-year graph is right there. So, you know, this is a very uh, important area because if it gives it up, you know, it could go into the abyss a little bit, and uh, if it doesn't give it up, it could be a good value, you know, right around this 96.5 level if it can hold again this is all ominous stuff there though you know that's pretty ominous stuff um i was interested in uh i'll show you something about exxon mobil from a little bit longer ago uh go back on the six month graph um at the uh at the end of last year uh we had a high point here on ExxonMobil, and uh, it was diverging a little bit here you see you got a 67 and then the next one over 64 and then you went right down to uh 52 on the rsi then the red line started pointing down you see that's what has to happen if you're going to be successful on the downside Got to have that red line pointing down and so once it did that opened the door to if you wanted to get on the uh put side and as you can see uh once it got through blue and purple it accelerated to the downside then look at your rsi rsi is at 41 breaks under blue it's at 41 breaks under purple and it's at 37 so you know you're accelerating to the downside pretty good and those put options were streaming pretty good then you got a nice big rally but it couldn't get above blue another opportunity to consider the put side because everything's pointing down and so you had another nice little drop here and this thing basically followed the green river all the way down so you know um you know rolling in and out of put option during that time was not a bad thing now you had an RSI down here at the lows uh at uh, around 30 and down here you're at 35 so you've been that's a divergence and that leads me to believe that there could be a pop a could be a pop uh the five-day graph on it is also trying to turn up a little bit here so uh we're keeping an eye on it uh because again um uh, I think you got RSI here of 31, and then you got RSI of 33, and now the RSI is up to 55. You know, if the RSI on a a short-term or any of them basis, starts getting through 60, that's how you can sometimes accelerate to the upside. So you got to keep an eye on that. But, uh, you know, energy, uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to just talk about uh, NVIDIA. You know, let's look at NVIDIA. I don't think you need... uh, much insight on that one, simply because, you know, uh, it uh, seems to be something that everyone thinks is never going to go down. And just to give you a little bit of caution on it, uh, back in, uh, you know, back here, uh, it was at $300, I guess, $350, right? And if somebody would have told you it's going to have a reversion to the mean, reversion to the mean means that it's going to revert back to the moving averages. So, somebody told you at 350 that NVIDIA is going to revert to the mean. And they said, where? And you said, where's the mean? And you said, well, it could be uh, at the blue line at 250, or it could be at the purple line at uh, 160, or it could be at gold at 100. And you would say, obviously, you must have two heads, sir. This is the best company it's ever been, blah, 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 blah. But what did happen? It reverted back to all those numbers, didn't it? Okay. And that wasn't a long time ago. You know how long ago it was? It was at the end of 22, not exactly an eternity ago. Now, of course, we are way up here into the stratosphere. And so would somebody say this would be a a poster child potential for reversion to the mean? And someone might say that could possibly happen. And where would be a logical place for pullback? Well, obviously going back to the double tops here at 500. And that's also where the red line is. Now, how would you have any idea that NVIDIA might make that kind of $100 drop? Well, you'd go to the shorter term graphs and see if you've got any evidence. Again, there's no evidence here of a drop because it's making new highs, but the RSI is at 81. So here's what I would be looking for. If NVIDIA had a pullback and then it had a rally either towards the high or a little bit higher and that RSI lagged that 81 number, then I would start getting my periscope up to look to the put side because that would be telling me that it's running out of steam. Right now it's full of steam. And so that's why you just don't step in front of things like that. Um, uh, one month graph, uh, anything here, you've got uh, RSI at uh, 74, 75. Up here, you got RSI at 77. And now you got RSI over here at 76. So there's nothing really there telling you anything other than it's a very, very strong company making, uh, making good money. And they've got earnings coming out, I think, pretty soon. So they're going to announce probably they're, going, they're making a whole bunch of money. And uh, we'll have to see if China's a problem for them because China's stock market is definitely going in the tank lately, which I'll get to in a second as well. But, uh, okay, so I went over the energy sector, which I thought was interesting. This is another one I find kind of interesting. It's called Freeport-McMoran. And basically on Freeport-McMoran, it is on a ledge. What kind of a ledge? Let's tell you see all these moving averages coming in right around 37 38 okay so 38 37 right now we go to the five-year graph and what do you got there you've got um, um the uh, traffic jam 38 right and so then you go to the one-year graph and so uh, it's under the purple line now, that's not good. So basically, I priced out some calls at 38 and change and uh, puts at 37. And the combination, the strangle, seemed to be somewhat reasonably priced, in my opinion. So you take side uh, both sides, and then you go and get a cup of coffee. And you know what your risk is because you bought the call and bought the puts. So you got a limited risk. You got a leverage because you got the right to buy 100 shares above at the strike. And the right to sell 100 shares at the strike, but not the obligation. So now you've got your fixed risk, you've got your leverage, and now you got this thing sitting on a ledge. And what you want to hear is something that would make the market make a decision that it's either going to go into the soup, and how far in the soup could it go? Nobody knows, but this is a big gap here between 34 and 34.50, or there's another gap up here between 40 and change and 41. So there is couple of gaps there that might uh, be an attractor and um, you can see on a bunch of different time frames it seems to be on a little bit of a ledge and uh, down here uh, it is uh, diverging on the upside here because you watch this you got 15 on the rsi and now you got 35 that's a huge divergence so again you know it may bang to the upside very quickly But you can build a case either way and that's when you start investigating the strangle particularly when the premiums in in your opinion are low because you are planning on volatility to hit and and obviously make one side or the other jump dramatically in price on the premium and that means you can afford to take a little bit of a hit on one side because you know you uh if you're wrong on the one side you want to pick it's nice to have uh, a hedge on the other way, particularly if the hedge doesn't cost a heck of a lot of money. Okay. So that was something I thought was pretty interesting today. And I thought that I'd bring that to your attention. Again, I'm just sharing my opinions here. Uh, this is not advice to do anything that's between your brokerage firm and yourself. Uh, but uh, I'm just sharing my opinions on what I'm seeing. All right. Uh, so that was another one there. And, uh, uh, another thing I'm looking at is the goal because, uh, when the fiscal deficits are running $2 trillion or whatever it's running, and uh, there's no end in sight, and you got guys who, uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to get along very well down there, uh, something may happen here. Either a deflation thing like it's going on in, uh, in uh, China, or it could be an inflationary thing because they're going to have to print money in order to pay all these deficits. Uh, at any rate, uh, gold is sitting pretty much, let me show you on a longer term graph. You know it's sitting right there around the red line and the red line comes in at the 2021 so you can see it's kind of been right around 2021 today and uh, that's one of the reasons i think it's right there if it slips it looks like 1950 could be in the cards and if it slips even further it could be going all the way down under here uh conversely uh, since everything is pointing up and we're above the purple. And so the bulls are controlling the market pretty well lately, right? It is possible that we could pop up, but where would we have to pop up to, to get the engine started? Here's where I said 2040, 2060. So you start blowing through 2040, 2060, and then the RSI, which is currently at uh, 46 jumps into the fifties. And if we get above uh, 2060 and we can get into the sixties on the RSI, then you could have an acceleration phase. So again, sometimes it's just good to wait and let the market tell you which way it's gonna go and then jump on the train that looks like it's going someplace. Because right now it's stuck in a kind of a quandary, uh, 2000 uh, area, that, the low here against the gold line. That's a pretty tight window. So that window will break at some point. And when it breaks, I think that's probably the way to play it is go with the flow. But if we do start breaking underneath 2000 and then uh, the purple line, and then we saw on the other graph, 1950, you know, there's a lot of people who bought gold in the last uh, few years, you know, thinking it's going to be uh, going way, way up. And so, you know, uh, if the people start liquidating out and the buyers go away, sometimes you get a pretty good gap. Either way, either way. Um, so that's how the gold looks right now. And I would keep an eye on that. You know, a lot of people got into the Bitcoin because uh, of, uh, you know, uh, they came out with the ETFs, right? Well, they bid the thought and the having, you know. So they bid the thing up. So I was trying to warn people, listen, they've already bid this thing up to the roof. It could very well be buy the rumor, sell the fact. Well, it's exactly what it was. So let me show you some stocks that I talked to people about and gave my opinion on. Um, okay, this is a riot and it's not uh, exactly a riot anymore. huh? This thing goes from nine bucks up to 19 bucks. They come out with the ETFs and we're trading at 10. You see, that's why hedging yourself You know, uh, having a put insurance, you know, these are things I talk to people about when I explain the uses and risks of options. Because, again, uh, I did uh, um, get educated at the Options Institute in Chicago at the CBOE on advanced option training. So, you know, I have a certain amount of knowledge of how this stuff works. So one of the uses of options is not just gambling. It's used as an insurance contract or a a hedge against what uh, you own and like any uh, insurance it has a period of time on it so that would be your expiration date and it has what it will do if something happens and that's your strike price so um you know i can explain that to you uh, and people who did take you know when you get off like this throwing a little put insurance buy a long put against uh, your uh, big position here it's a nice thing to have as the thing goes in the toilet believe me and nobody's gonna be telling you to buy insurance when it looks this green uh, this uh, this uh, sunny out you know what i mean uh, but that's when the uh, the put insurance uh, costs very little sometimes. All right, I'll give you another one that uh, people were jumping all over. And this is uh, Coinbase, and uh, same story, different nightmare. You know, this thing goes up to one ninety right before you know they come out with the ETFs, and now we're at one twenty again. Uh, you know, that's a pretty big hit for people. And um, uh, MicroStrategy was another one that uh, you know uh, people were um, you know because this guy uh, you know these Fully committed, fully committed. Let's go that. And uh, on MicroStrategy, again, uh, was at over 700 bucks coming into the ETF, and now it's at 450. So, again, you know, there could be some support on these things. I'm not bad mounting them now. I was bad mounting them going into the big uh, ETF thing because, again, it reeked of what? Reversion to the mean. It reeked of buy the rumor, sell the fact. And after decades of doing it, I kind of recognize these things from time to time. Uh, nothing is for sure, but uh, I thought the probabilities of the, um, of the scenario that I was painting looked pretty good. That's what I was sharing with people at that time. Um, again, if you have any other questions, you can put it in the chat box if you have any particular stocks you're looking at or any uh, markets or any questions about the things that are going on. Okay, uh, let's take a look at um, the 10-year um, uh, note because obviously it's important. And the 10-year note uh, you know again this is why you know if you're in this thing for a long time you're always a little cynical you know they announced in uh october that they think that cutting will happen in 2024 well people took that baton and they told everybody who was in anything you know uh, to buy into the bond market right and so you know uh, in the last six weeks you know there's been a ton of people probably trying to buy into the bond market looking for what? All these cuts, you know, 175 points worth of cuts. And the probability on the March cut used to be at 80%, almost 90%. That's been cut in half. So the likelihood of a cut in March has been gone out the window. And the likelihood of six or seven cuts this year, you know, the way things are going is also out the window why is that because unemployment still at 3.7 even though you're hearing some job cuts here and there still very strong wages are up more than the inflation rate the uh, consumer retail spending is through the roof um you've got gdp through the roof the assets around the world come on through the roof we're going to cut interest rates for what reason is that so you can try to create another inflationary bubble. So the bottom line is, is that you know uh, the uh, the yields have been rising lately, and of course you know they could uh, you know come down again. If they do come down again, you've got a, a spot down here uh, of uh, uh, three twenty eight, three thirty on the ten year. So if things really did turn down, and this area here, which is around four twenty. if this area does hold up and yields are gonna drop, it might be accompanied by some surprise that we're not ready for yet, which would be something that shocks the economy and kind of like, not like COVID, but you know, COVID was a shock, right? And when there's a shock, the Federal Reserve Views it as a license to obviously print as much money as they can and drop interest rates and and do whatever they they need to do to keep people uh, spending money and happy because seventy percent of the economy is consumer spending they have no patience for people not spending their money because without people spending all their money you know this thing doesn't work so you know if you don't want to know that China has a situation where. It's uh consumer spending is uh, 30% of their economy or in the thirties. And uh, when Japan was going great in the nineties, it was like 55 or 60%. So we're 70%. So, you know, we have absolutely no appetite for everybody to start being fiscally responsible and you know, the credit card usage in um, in October was $5 billion, in uh, November was $23 billion, and Lord knows what it's going to be for December for Christmas. So people are going on those credit cards. People are hitting the firm with the buy now, pay later. Uh, people are trying to keep pace with uh, their spending habits and the higher inflation numbers out there. You know, don't forget, you know, we were at 9% inflation, and they're talking about 3% on top of the 9. You understand? They're not talking about deflation. They're talking about inflation at 3% or whatever. But That's on top of the inflation we've already seen. So that's why when you go to buy stuff, everything is still very expensive because what we probably need a little bit is of deflation to bring the prices back down to normal a little bit. But that hadn't happened just yet. If the Fed keeps the rates at these higher levels, that could happen later in the year. You know, real estate. I mean come on who would ever think that you could take the uh, real estate uh, mortgage rate from 2.75 neighborhood or 2.5 up to eight percent and then housing prices wouldn't drop at all makes absolutely no sense so obviously one of the reasons is is that nobody's selling their house because they've got the mortgage but if the prices were to start slipping and the mortgage rates came down to five you could see a deluge of houses on the market and that would change the whole dynamic of real estate from where it is today. One thing I've learned is, is that things change and uh, higher interest rates is generally not good for things that are based on debt. And, and obviously real estate in large part is borrowed money. So keep an eye on the uh, bond market right now, the note market. Uh, again, uh, it, uh, if it uh, cannot get through 420, again, it could drop in yield again. And again, another uh, uh, place where uh, there's a lot of support now on the one-year graph is the yield staying above 390 and 4%. So again, where could it also be going? You know, if it gets above that 416, 417 that I talked about, then you could go up towards here. But again, um, you know, you also have to ask yourself, who's on the other side of the trade? When people are stampeding into the bond market, as they were after the Fed said they might be cutting rates next year. Somebody sold those bonds, right? And they're generally the market maker, okay? And the market maker can see volume coming in and then he drops the prices, right? And then when he drops the prices, he takes in all the orders. And then when that dropping volume is dried up, it goes the other way, okay? I'll give you um, on ESH here, what could possibly be happening here sometime here in the first quarter there is a stampede of people coming into the market right stampede who's selling all of this because you need a buyer for every seller now you know the public's not selling into this so who would provide liquidity for all these people that are jumping in and it would be the market makers and if the market makers are the ones on the other side of the trade with all this volume and strength they're gonna raise the price very high so they can be the seller while we are being all the buyers, right? And once this volume were to dry up and this momentum dries up and sellers come in and the buyers have gone on vacation, that's how you get the sharper pullback. So this is one of the things I'm very much aware of, but I don't step in front of the freight train. But if I see the freight train is at a point like the, uh, like the um, uh, crypto stocks were, okay you know way up in advance and obviously somebody sold all those crypto stocks when they're way up in other words let's take a quick look so you get this point i'm trying to make you know the public wasn't selling coinbase up here at 190 okay so somebody was so obviously market makers right and they took all that volume in all that uh, get in before the etf get in before the etf who was selling up here the market makers and now they're short up here And of course, the public went long. And then what happens is that's how the market makers make their money. Because when the volume dries up and then the the selling comes in into a no-buyer environment, it doesn't take long for them to get their money, does it? No. So again, I'm just trying to say this is something that I'm uh, not worried about. It's something I'm cognizant of and keeping an eye on for the stock market itself. Because again, you know, uh, somebody is on the sell side. Of all this buying, 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 and again, if the uh, if the Fed cuts don't happen, and if the earnings come in a little light, that would be the recipe. Because again, valuations are very high again, very high, especially based a five and a half percent Fed funds rate. The valuations are quite high. Companies could make a lot of money, and then that, of course, would justify the valuations but um, that's not a hundred percent. Okay, let's go over to the international markets. <laughs> and um, well, I will tell you, I'll show you one other one that I thought was quite interesting. Let me show you Pfizer. Now Pfizer is lousy. Let's get that off the, uh, let's get that right on the, on the books, huh? F- uh, Pfizer is down here, way, way down. I'm gonna show you the 20 year graph on it. And can you see the gold line comes in? And the last time it hit the gold line, it was a pretty darn place to buy, right? Right. So now the gold line comes in and the market can't get above it right now. It's at 3045. Uh, and uh, so basically, you know, if we got back above 3045 and if we ever get back above purple, Pfizer could be at a reasonably low price. Now, this also has been paying <laughs> a dividend. So this is something you could uh, get cash flow as long, as long as they don't cut or eliminate the dividend you could get some cash flow while you're holding on to it. And it does have a low at 25 surrounded by higher lows. So it's something that I'm definitely watching, but certainly not running down waving a checkbook at. But this is where nobody wants it, out of favor. Sometimes this is where it's not a bad time to take a shot. Certainly it looked better here because it had purple rising and, and then it was right above purple. So it's not the same situation here. It's just something I just wanted to say I'm monitoring, not necessarily running down to buy it. Uh, One other thing is is a natural gas um, RRC. This is somewhat interesting too. You know, these are ones that if things got going – you know, could have a lot of potential those energy ones I mentioned, if things really if we go back to 80 or 100 on crude, believe me, those energy shocks are going to be something to to wonder. Now this is a natural gas here on uh, range resources. Now that trend to me still looks pretty darn good. And if it gets above 35 bucks and starts closing above it, I think it could fly. So the bottom line is, is I'm watching this one as well. And this is natural gas and then basically on the five-year graph it's holding purple so far so again you can see if it gets above 32 and then 35 it would be hitting the open field again and it's been doing pretty darn well if you notice ever since 2021. so it's not a, it's not the worst company in the world here huh? uh and on a one-year basis again uh the gold line comes in right here so I'm monitoring this very closely uh because again uh it's come from 38 down to you know 29. And this is a place where it's really crunch zone because if it breaks under here, you know, who knows, boom, boom, boom. So this is a very much I'm watching on a ledge. A lot of them that I'm watching, they're right on the ledge and either way it goes, it's gonna be very interesting. All right, let me give you a quick thing on the international picture. You know, China is going around the world trying to get people to put foreign investment in there and uh, people are just not buying. Uh, Again, you got 16 to 24 year old unemployment way into the 20% area. I find that very unnerving because you notice Yemen has 35% unemployment and uh, some of these other countries that uh, are going and obviously uh, the Palestinians have plenty of unemployment when you have a lot of unemployment and you got youth you got a lot of people you can you know got time on their hands and then that's when uh, some bad things happen so I'm I'm very uh concerned that China's unemployment is that big one way to get everybody to go back to work is to go to war so that that's why you have to be concerned about that and of course uh you know China's having a hard time getting their uh people to um you know start spending money their consumer demand is uh, is bad anyway look at uh this is the large caps right uh RSI is at 23 there RSI is at 34 here so there's a divergence down here. Might be worth taking a look because they may come up with a stimulus package that just cannot be denied. So be careful right here and uh, keep an eye on it. There could be value down here. Uh, you know, Baba, Baidu, you know, uh, JD, uh, Tencent, you know, all down here. Okay, so that's something I'm keeping an eye on because you know this is getting pretty darn cheap. I mean, it used to be at 52. there aren't things down here at 21 uh, RSI down here was 23. And RSI here is at 31. So there's a potential divergence down here. And then but you know, you need to have things turning up, or else you know, you just can't like, look, you can't get a big rally when everything is still pointing down. And even if you get a rally, it's going to be a false one, if everything still points down. Okay. So bottom line here is it's getting very cheap. And probably something's got to give. And that's not a good thing to say when you're talking about China, because if it uh, if it gives the wrong way, it, it'd be a real problem. Uh, K Web is the other one over there, and again, this one same story, right? I mean, you know, look at the look at the five year graph on it. You know, it's uh, it's got room to come down if it wants to, but it's uh, you know it's in a negative mode, and the twenty year graph uh, again way down here. So on a one month graph, you know, you got gaps and gaps and gaps. You got a relative strength here at 21, and you got relative strength here of 26. So you got a divergence. So like I say, it can be darkest before dawn. If you like to uh, dollar cost average into something and you think something is not going out of business, you know this is uh, pretty inexpensive stuff down there. Uh, some of the ones that have been better internationally uh, have been Mexico. And you can see there that uh, going back on a five-year graph, Mexico has been doing pretty darn good, right? This is what uh, nearshoring, reshoring, and all that stuff, right? So, you know, this thing uh, since uh, you know uh, uh, the October lows, you know, has been on the upswing. Okay, uh, looking at uh, another one uh, was is Japan. Now, Japan's currency has lost half of its value. So, uh, uh, you know, people who are concerned about the dollar's value or whatever. Doesn't necessarily mean the economies have to do bad, but these are an exporting country. So the cheaper their currency, the cheaper the goods they export. But as you can see, this thing got bullish again at the lows of October, and it's been going, 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 and it's still on the way. So uh, this uh, this country has definitely been coming back up. Uh, another one uh, that I'm keeping an eye on, of course, is India and uh India you know obviously there's some uh, uh, pe- uh, uh manufacturing going over there and you know um uh, this thing came down to 38 and now it's up here so it's been doing very good so those are uh, a couple of countries that uh, you know are on the upswing and uh, and may continue because the world seems to be shifting towards them you know more manufacturing into India uh, apple trying to sell a bunch of cell phones over there and then of course in Mexico a lot more production down there So uh, they've got pretty decent stories. And again, the Japanese have got a good story because uh, just so you can put this in perspective, I'm going to uh, show you what I'm talking about on that Japanese yen. Now talk about a uh, depreciation on your currency. I mean, come on. This thing has gone uh, down uh, 40% in a year or a couple of years, right? And so it's down here trying to make double lows, but I mean, that's a pretty big drop. And if you go to the 20 year graph, I mean, look, uh, The thing's gone from 130 down to 60. So they've lost half the value of their currency. That's why they have inflation finally. And uh, this is an opportunity if what they talk about is this year could be the year that they abandon or modify the yield curve control, YCC. And that's where they just keep buying their own bonds, you know, just like the Fed was doing with uh, QE. Buy your own bonds, buy your own bonds, print money, buy your own bonds. And uh, if they change that story and rates are allowed to go up a little bit, then this thing could scream to the upside a little bit. I'd be watching that for that because you do have a low there uh, with a 17 RSI and look at the RSI. over here's 34. So that's a divergence. And that's the kind of a divergence that could lead to it a pretty good sized rally. So I'd be monitoring the yen for a possible move to the upside off of such depressed prices based on possibly some modifications in the yield curve control. Um oh yeah, uh, on the industrial metal side, you know, if there's gonna be infrastructure, you know, you're gonna have industrial metals, and basically this is the ETF on that. And you can see it's starting to climb, climb, climb. And uh, you know, sometimes after climb it start popping. Where's your RSI up here? Your RSI is at 56. Okay. If it can break above 65, RSI goes into the 60s on its way to 70 or 80 this thing could have an extended move. So I'd be monitoring this, not yet, but it does have some potential. And if their infrastructure is gonna happen, they're gonna need, see it's holding here in the red line, which isn't bad. So if you blow out there and you get RSI popping, because RSI is in the 55s and you see RSI was at 64. So if you get RSI to blow through here, I mean, you get those prices to blow through here and RSI goes above 64, you know, I would think that that would open the door potentially for something very significant in 2024 for um, metals and mining. So I just wanted to mention that to you as well. Um, There's a lot of different sectors out there. And, you know, uh, if you have questions on any sector, you could let me know, and I'd be more than happy to uh, help you with that. If you have any other questions uh that you have on any stock or market this would be a good time because i'm going to be wrapping up in a few minutes so uh if you guys have any questions on you know a certain market or a certain uh, strategy or uh you know um you know questions on how these weekly options work and and uh timing on the weekly options because you know the weekly options uh, are popular uh, by the vo- volume i mean the volume just speaks for itself there are a lot of people playing them And they're very risky because, you know, again, uh, there's not much time on the clock. And if they go against you, they go to zero pretty fast. So that means you lose all your money on a a long position uh, pretty fast. Uh, So your timing is going to have to be very, very good uh, if you're going to be successful on it. Um, I'll give you some uh, ones that I've done uh, this year, uh, just the markets, and I'll show you why I like doing it. Um, We had Apple on the downside here, you know, and then we flipped to the call side. Okay, so you can see there was a couple of good trades here in Apple. And then, uh, you know, these energy shares that I've just turned positive on, I have been very negative on, and I'll show you why. As you can see, this has been Put City on Devon Energy, and you can see uh, on Occidental Petroleum. These are all ones that I've been focused on. Uh, it's been put city on that as well, but I think there could be a turn happening here. Halliburton, uh, you know, your, these are your servicers and you can see that's been put city and turning. And then we also had Slumberj, which is really the Cadillac of the servicers. And even the Cadillac goes down in price though, right? But now it's on the upswing. Okay. And that's why last week, that's why we got keen on it okay so that gives you and then of course uh, we did uh, jump on the pay powers last week uh, it was going at 55 and all of a sudden it started getting bid up and we said what the heck's going on here because you know the thing was down at 56 looking like garbage and then all of a sudden it pops and then it pops so we go throw our hat in a ring and then all of a sudden you know uh, if you use the 64 strike because that's what I thought was a good you know, see this 64 number I thought that was a reasonable place because if it was going to bust out, it was going to bust out above that. So those things were going for under a dollar and uh, they obviously hit $4 here today. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's some of the things that I've been focused on and uh, and uh, that's some of the ways we try to uh, time it a little bit. And uh, again, when we're wrong, you lose the premium. And when you're right and you get good volatility, there's potential to it. So. Uh, What I'm going to leave you with right now is this, is, um, again, I'm Jim the Option Professor, and I'm inviting you to uh, go to my website, optionprofessor.com, O-P-T-I-O-N-P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R.com, and put in your information, and then I'm going to explain what I can do for you, which is I can educate you on the uses and risks of options, I can send you a link to the indicators that I have, and i can also go over any questions you have on any of the different option strategies and i can share with you my opinion on all of them and we can do this in an online meeting that we have one on one and uh you know uh, i know a lot of people are charging thousands and thousands of dollars and monthly hundred dollar charges and all that we don't do anything like that at all i have a one time only low cost uh very 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 fair and uh and that's all we do. And then, of course, like I say, you can take advantage of my knowledge and experience to, uh, to, uh, to learn. And whether you're just starting out, I can work with you. So we can start with the basics and, and build and build and build. Or if you're experienced, I can show you my angle on things. And if you're experienced and have humility, you understand everyone's got a certain thing that's different than what they're doing that could have some value. So that would be the reason to hear that one out. But uh, I obviously follow all the markets. I'm knowledgeable on the markets. I'm willing to share my knowledge with you. You just got to go to the website, optionprofessor.com, and put in your information. Or just email optionprofessor at gmail.com and go, hey, Jim, uh, this is my name. This is my contact information. Give me a ring, and let's go through what you could do for me. Because, again, you know, there's a lot of people out there you know, saying all these things, wonderful things, bad things, whatever, and charging all kinds of money and this and that. So, you know, I think it's a refreshing way that I do things. And I think if you uh, contact me at optionprofessor.com or optionprofessor at gmail.com, I think you're gonna find this is way different. You're dealing with somebody who's way different than anybody you spoke to before. And I think uh, you'll be very pleased with it. So again, uh, a lot of things going on in the markets. I tried to cover quite a bit of it. Uh, If you have things I didn't cover, Uh, that you'd like to talk about. That's what we do during our one-hour session. You'll get the link to my indicators, which are very valuable in my opinion. And of course, I give you a full explanation on how I work with them. Uh, Again, uh, optionprofessor.com and uh, uh, optionprofessor at gmail.com. Okay, Uh, this is Jim, the Option Professor signing off. Have a great day, everybody. Good luck and good trading. We got the PC report on Friday. We got all kinds of other stuff coming up. You've got the fed coming up next Tuesday and we got a full moon on Thursday. So we got a full slate ahead of us guys. Give me a ring. Give me a uh, uh, ability to reach you and I'll talk to you down the road. Have a great day. Thanks for being here today.